Welcome. With Michael Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a serious XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. Dear reader, I am a conservative. I believe that there are limits to what government can and should do, that there are some problems that government cannot solve, and that human initiative is best when left unfettered, free from government interference or coercion. I believe that these ideas tested by time offer the most freedom and best outcomes in the lives of the most people. But today, the American conservative movement has lost its way. Given the state of our politics, it is no exaggeration to say that this is an urgent matter. The Republican Party used to play to a broader audience, one that demanded that we accomplish something. But in this era of dysfunction, our primary accomplishment has been constructing the argument that we're not to blame. We've decided that it's better to build and maintain a majority by using the levers of power rather than the art of persuasion and the battle of ideas. We've decided that putting party over country is okay. There are many on both sides of the aisle who think that this is a good model on which to build a political career, destroying, not building. And all the while, our country burns, our institutions are undermined, and our values are compromised. We've become so estranged from our principles that we no longer know what principle is. America is not just a collection of transactions. America is also a collection of ideas and values. And these are our values. These are our principles. They are not subject to change owing to political fashion or cult of personality. I believe that we desperately need to get back to the rigorous fact-based arguments that made us conservatives in the first place. We need to realize that the stakes are simply too high to remain silent and fall in line. And that is why I have written this book and I'm taking this stand. Well, the book is Conscience of a Conservative. If the title sounds familiar, it's because it was borrowed from Barry Goldwater. The author is Jeff Flake, the junior senator from the great state of Arizona, Conscience of a Conservative, a rejection of destructive politics and a return to principle. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Senator Flake is getting a tremendous amount of it. It is the hottest political book in the uh, in the country. And there are many, many wondering whether he's long for the Republican Party having published conscience of a conservative, although over the weekend on one of the Sunday morning programs, he seemed to put to rest uh, any prospect that he would leave the GOP, nevertheless facing a very uh, difficult reelection battle. This is Senator Jeff Flake. Hey, Senator, thanks so much for being here. You bet. Thanks for having me on. The criticism that you offer is that which is garnering all the attention. I said in introducing you, it's truly the hottest political book in the country. I'm wondering As people are uh, accentuating the daylight between you and President Trump, 
What part of the book are you saying, boy, I wish they'd be focusing more on this? Well, one thing I, I wish people would, I think when people read it, they'll see is that, uh, you know, this, I started writing this book before Donald Trump became president. Um, this drift uh, of the Republican Party has happened for a while. I was in the House of uh, Representatives 2001 to, uh, to 2000, um, it was 2012 until I read to the Senate. And during that time, we lost the majority as Republicans. We engaged in a horrible spending, uh, particularly earmark spending, corrupt spending. Uh, Democrats came in and called us, uh, you know, said we need to drain the swamp, and we were promptly drummed out of the majority. Um, so it's happened before, and I am concerned that uh, the direction the party is headed now, particularly with this populist uh, bent, uh, protectionist, uh, anti-immigration uh, strain. It, it just, it's not a governing principle. These aren't governing principles, and I, I don't think that we can be a majority long if we keep it up. Right, but if you, if you wrote only on substance and in interviews were shying clear of criticism of the commander-in-chief, candidly, I don't think that the book would have the panache that it does today. Well, I, I, I mentioned in the book, uh, you know, part of it is about conservative principle and what I believe it is, uh, limited government, economic freedom, free trade. And on those things, I think that the, the president's uh, policies are lacking. Um, he said that he wouldn't touch entitlement spending. If you're a fiscal conservative, uh, we have to address entitlement spending. On free trade, um, I think uh, canceling the TPP was a big mistake, the Trans-Pacific Partnership that will haunt us for a long time. And the failure to negotiate bilateral and, and multilateral trade deals is going to handicap us in the future. Also, uh, with regard to immigration, uh, it's not just the, the policy, but it's the rhetoric as well and, and, uh, and the belittling of, of Mexico and talking about a wall that they're going to pay for. And things like this has an effect on Mexico's policies as well and their politics. They could well elect a, a you know, populist leftist coming up, kind of in response to uh, what they're hearing from the United States. And, and that's, that's dangerous. And then uh, if I were, also, uh, go ahead, sorry. I, I was, Senator, I was going to say, if I said to my radio audience here on POTUS that there's a member of the United States Senate who grew up on a farm with migrant workers who earlier in life used to play a role in diverting border patrol agents as they searched his alfalfa fields for migrants into which party do you believe this individual belongs i don't think they'd be saying the gop and yet it's you hey well i think republicans have always been welcoming of immigrants uh, and when you hear ronald reagan his sec- second inaugural address for example uh, where he talks about the shining city on a hill and the type of America that he sees welcoming of immigrants. That's in our role. And so I, I, I and we are a, a nation of, of laws and the rule of law. And that's why we've got to fix our immigration system. But when we do, uh, man, we, we are still ought to be welcoming of legal immigration. The proposal that was outlined last week would go to a point system, which I favor. We actually did that in the bipartisan bill a couple of years ago, uh, but it would cut legal immigration in half. And I don't think that that uh, is a smart move for the economy. And I, I think you'd have a hard time passing that off as conservative policy. 
I'm not going to give away conscience of a conservative for free, but do tell the alfalfa field story. How did you try to divert Border Patrol attention? <laughs> well, I, I mentioned in the book, you know, I grew up on a ranch in, in northern Arizona. At that time, this was growing up in the 70s and, and early 80s. Uh, the Border Patrol really wasn't stationed on the border. There, there was very little at the border itself. Um, the, but the Border Patrol would frequently raid uh, ranches and, and farms uh, elsewhere in the state, like in northern Arizona where I was, near Snowflake. It, I should note, it wasn't illegal at that time to hire uh, migrant workers, uh, but it was illegal for them to be there. And so... Um, when I was a kid growing up, uh, it was a, a bad day when the Border Patrol would uh, come and pick up uh, some of our workers because I had to do double work. I had to move more sprinkler pipe or, or haul more hay. And so uh, uh, when we would hear a plane coming that might be the Border Patrol, then, then I would uh, kind of put the hat over my head and ride my horse up in the cedars and, and, and hope that they would follow me instead of uh, – instead of the migrant workers. So, but uh, the point I was making through that is I, I tell you, these, these guys came and worked with us. Uh, our our uh, mechanic, Manuel, who I just saw a few weeks ago at my father's funeral in Snowflake. He grew, he uh, stayed in Snowflake, but he, he was caught by the border patrol 19 times during his time. Um, they would take him back across the border and he would be back up to work on our farm before the border patrol would be back at the time. It was a kind of a game of cat and mouse at that time, but we didn't have the national security concerns of terrorism that we have today. You cannot have, should not have an open border today. It was a different time. This is Jeff Flake. Senator Flake has penned conscience of a conservative, a rejection of destructive politics and to return to principle. If anybody should be able to lay claim to Barry Goldwater's title It should be you because you were the executive director of the Goldwater Institute and worked with the late senator. What inspiration did you draw from him? Well, you you can't be raised in Arizona without, uh, particularly in rural Arizona, without having Barry Goldwater as a hero. And he he was uh, growing up, this rugged, individualist, independent-minded senator, libertarian-leaning, but purely Arizonan. And it was just an honor of a lifetime to to be a director of the Goldwater Institute uh, while he was still living and still, uh, you know, would, would come to our functions and send me notes uh, every once in a while. Uh, and it was just uh, it was an honor. He, he uh, He's larger than life. Hey, Senator, take me into the cloakroom. Are you persona non grata? Or are you getting a number of attaboys, and I'm talking from the Republican caucus? Well, I I think you've seen over the past couple of months a lot more Republicans standing up, uh, particularly if they have concerns about what the administration might be doing uh, with Jeff Sessions, for example. Um, You've had a number of senators say, don't go there, Mr. President. Don't fire Jeff Sessions. It would be seen as a precursor. Uh, to going after Bob Mueller, and and that uh, we cannot abide. Um, the the Senate and the House, uh, you know, we're co-equal branches of government, uh, you know, with the administration and the judiciary, and and we will assort our um, our um, you know our prerogatives there if the president uh, decides to move forward. So I, I've I've received uh, some attaboys. Uh, I'm sure there are some who 
who feel that uh, we, we shouldn't uh, say anything uh, uh, derogatory about policy. And I've tried to keep this uh, on policy and not uh, personal. And, and one thing that I, I know that my colleagues agree with me on, if not on the policy, it's on the behavior and it's on the, uh, the demeanor and comportment. Uh, being a conservative doesn't just mean that you adhere to conservative policies. A conservative uh, with regard to foreign policy is measured and sober and deliberate and predictable, uh, where we uh, recognize uh, our adversaries and embrace our allies. And, and I, I think that uh, there's been a great concern on that front. Well, I'm glad that you raised that issue because the criticism, I've, I've read not only the book, but I've read the reviews of the book, and I've read comments appended to the reviews of the book. And one of the criticisms that I see time and again are those who say, we're glad that Senator Flake is is stepping out of the box and being critical of his party and his president, but his voting record suggests that he's in line with the White House. And I think what I just heard you say is that you've got you've got some personality issues with regard to the president, not necessarily policy. Well, I do have some policy, uh, but but I do have you're correct uh, with regard to the president's uh, behavior and demeanor. I have you know big issues, uh, partly because if we're going to solve the big issues we need to solve today, our debt and deficit, health care, tax policy, uh, we're going to have to sit down you know, with our friends across the aisle. And we really can't do that if the president is calling them losers or clowns. Um, it just doesn't foster the kind of relationship. But uh, it, when, when uh, those rankings come up about how often you vote with the president, keep in mind that the Senate, for the first six months of any new administration, uh, we're in the personnel business in the Senate. We're largely just voting on the president's uh, cabinet, his administrative uh, nominees, judges, in this case, the Supreme Court justice. Um, and I've always held to the policy that elections have consequences and the president ought to get his people. Um, and uh, I, I think the president, President Trump, has named a great cabinet, and he named a stellar Supreme Court pick. I was happy to help shepherd that through the Senate. So I'll vote with the president when I think he's right and uh, against him when I think he's wrong on some of the policies that he's done by executive order, the travel ban, for example. I talk about in the book why I think that that's a mistake. Uh, certainly the Muslim ban talked about in the campaign. I'm glad that uh, that, that was shelved. Uh, but still, I think the travel ban is, is not good policy. Um, and immigration, uh, like I said, cutting the numbers in half, I don't think is is good. So I'll, I'll stand up uh, on things. But I did that with President Bush when he came in. I voted against No Child Left Behind. I thought that was federal overreach into local education. I voted against the prescription drug benefit that added nine or 11 or was the final figure, seven trillion in unfunded liabilities for for uh, Medicare. So I'll, I'll stand up to the president when I think he's wrong, whatever party he's in. Hey, uh, two final items, if I may, for Senator Flake. One, you write about what you regard as the politics of personal destruction. And as I was reading that portion of your book, I was saying the issue is that too many people who do what you do for a living are taking guidance and counsel from people who do what I do for a living. The men with microphones and keyboard commandos have put us on a disastrous path. That's me speaking, not Jeff Flake. Do you agree with that? 
I, I agree. It's it's much uh, more difficult today uh, to to have uh, a soft demeanor, I guess, and not go after your colleagues personally when the 24-hour media culture exists and social media that kind of rewards the loudest voices out there um, and not necessarily uh, those who who uh, who are more deliberate. And so I, I do think that, that that is a problem. I know that this subject was raised over the weekend. It's my final area, and thank you for being gracious with your time. Have you given serious thought to becoming an independent? No, I haven't. Uh, I am Why not? a proud Republican. <laughs> because I, I, the Republican Party is closest, uh, more closely aligned with the conservative philosophy that, uh, that I embrace. I am a lifelong proud Republican. And that's where I plan to stay. Um, Is your argument that your party has changed? Well, I I do think that, uh, you know, there there are fits and spurts, at least. And right now, I I think we are in danger. And that's why I wrote the book. We're in danger of becoming a party that is not uh, playing a game of addition, but rather subtraction. Uh, Drilling down on the base and riling up the base, uh, rather than looking for ways to uh, persuade people. And, and that, that's a big problem. And that's, that's certainly a big problem on the left, uh, that we've, we've kind of stopped trying to persuade, but just try to find and, and rile up and, and get uh, the base excited. And I just don't think that that's a, you know, a remedy for success long term. It's a great book. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I appreciate your being on my program, Senator. Thank you for that. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Jeff Flake, Senator Flake, conscience of a conservative, a rejection of destructive politics, and a return to principle. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.